Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. We're your co-hosts. Today, we're very excited to welcome Zonia Poulter as our guest. Zonia, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. We're so excited. Before we jump into the questions, we'd love to just give a brief introduction of our guest. Dr. Zonia Poulter is from a little town near Frankfurt, Germany, and she moved to Utah in 2010 to continue her education. And we just thought this was funny because she said she only wanted to be here for a couple years and go right back. <laughs> but here she is. We're still Ten so years lucky later. to have her. Yep. <laughs> In 2019, she was named director of BYU Women's Chorus. And just talking about her education, Sonia previously received undergraduate degrees in music education, musicology, and English at the University of Music and Performing Arts and Goethe Universities in Frankfurt, Germany. She obtained her Master of Music degree and Doctor of Musical Arts in Choral Conducting and Vocal Performance at the University of Utah. And we have just been really looking forward to this episode because we've wanted to talk about music for a long time and the power and importance of music in our lives and in the church. And so we're really looking forward to just sharing your insights and experiences. Thank you. So Zonia, you have quite an extensive background in music, as Shailen outlined. Very impressive and inspiring. And though we do want to hear about your journey, what brought you here and what's kept you here, we want to start by asking you about the impact music can have on our worship, especially now that, you know, over the past couple of years, church has condensed from three to two hours. And with that, we no longer sing at times or places when we used to do that. And particularly with the pandemic, music has also been limited in other ways, depending on where we are and what regulations are. So we want to talk about this. Why is music important in our worship and why is it something that you are so passionate about? Thank you, Carly. I think that is such a good and important question, and I am passionate about it. You're right. Things have changed a little bit, but but you know where we do sing a lot? It's in primary. Yes. And sharing time, it's a huge part. It's half of what happens in primary is singing, Mm -hmm. because we know that through music, we learn and we feel the spirit and we learn gospel doctrine. So I think music is not only important, I think it's essential Mm -hmm. (laughs) and empowering and wonderful. When the Lord asked Emma to compile a hymn book, or he called it a collection of sacred hymns, he said that the song of the righteous is a prayer unto him. It's a prayer. It's not a song. Mm -hmm. It's a prayer unto him. And I find that powerful. We know how to pray. We don't always pray well. I don't know about you, but Mm -hmm. we sometimes struggle, struggle, you Mm -hmm. know, to be completely sincere or absolutely honest in our prayer. And we can work on that. And we do, we do that. But when we sing inspired music, we can't go wrong. It doesn't say (laughs) the song of the pretty voices or (laughs) the song of the educated singer or (laughs) the song of the one that picks the best one. It's a song of the righteous and who are the righteous is the ones that turn their heart to God. And we all can do that. I find it so, so powerful. And on top of that, I'm talking about our church worship experience. We worship at home. We worship in the church. Mm -hmm. And we no longer sing in the second hour, right, Mm -hmm. in Relief Society or in the youth programs. But we do sing in sacrament meeting. And if people realize that, but we don't have an opportunity to ever do anything together in church other than when we say amen to 
amen as you do, uh-huh. <laughs> um, to the prayers are when we sing. We're doing that in unison. We do that yeah. in unison. It's what unifies us. Because we sit in classes and we listen to talks and, you know, there can be dialogue or whatever discussion we can have in our classes. And that's good. That's inspiring. And we need that. That feeds our soul. But when we sing, we say the same words in the same melody, ideally. <laughs> <laughs> and how much more powerful can worship be if we sing the songs of Zion or music that really worships, that praises God? I find that powerful and I find it essential. And I think it's so, so enriching if we utilize that and if we're aware of it. Right. I love all of that. Thank you so much, Sonia. And I am not a professional musician, but music has played an important part, I think, in developing and strengthening my faith. And I've had the thought recently that, you know, we were talking in my ward there's a spiritual need right now. People are yeah. hungering after spiritual things and need to be nourished. Yeah. And that was the thought that came to mind. It was like, I don't know if we need extra firesides or extra stuff. Maybe we just need to infuse, we can use that as a tool, yeah. infuse music into our worship more because I think that feeds people's souls. And like you said, unifies us. That yeah. is, that's beautiful. Yeah. And teaches such important and simple truths. I'm just thinking, I love all the primary songs. And mm-hmm. just recently, my daughter started school. And on our when I was driving her to drop her off, I just was like, oh, we should sing some songs that will remind you how to treat people and, you know, when you meet new people, what to do. And so we sing, Jesus said, love everyone. <laughs> we sang, I'm trying to be like Jesus. Yeah. And we sang, I'll walk with you, which makes me cry every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just these little songs. And I was like, I should sing these to myself on my way to work and on my way to anything I do. But I just was pondering the importance of music. I love that so much that you did that with your daughter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I think listening to music, listening to that's powerful. That can really help and uplift us. But actually singing them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's different, right? It becomes a little bit more personal. It becomes a little bit more real. And maybe you'll get it stuck in her head or something. <laughs> and that's the thing. How often do you say, I've got this sentence stuck in my head? You don't. We, we don't. But how often do we say, I've got that tune and I can't get that tune yes. out of my head? We say that all the time. I always have a tune in my head, and I'm sure you do too. But if that's a tune that's accompanied by words that are uplifting or that are praising God, you know, that can keep us out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really powerful. That's yeah. powerful. And I love that you clarified that it is not the quality of our voice that counts, right? (laughs) That it's the intent of our hearts. And I think that that's important because I've been places in the world where it doesn't matter how well you can sing or dance. People participate because it's a great experience. It feels good. I think like humans want to sing and to dance and, and be together. And so I think it's a good reminder that we shouldn't discount the quality of our voices doesn't matter praise through song, there's value in it, regardless of your musical ability. Oh, I think you are so right. I think beauty of voice or training, trained voices are important when we perform. And that's about it. Yeah. (laughs) I think just singing, that's really what counts. I'm not going to lie here, but coming to Utah, I was a little bit disappointed at the way people sing. But people don't sing out loud. Mm Mm-hmm. At least not on my ward. You know, if you sit in the overflow, it's really sad. Yeah. (laughs) And my husband and I would be the only one singing. And that's just not what I'm used to. Where I grew up in our church, people would sing with gusto all Mm -hmm. the time. Even the sacrament hymns that, you know, we think they need to be reverent. They are reverent, but they're reverent because of the praise. They're reverent because of the worship. And you hear people's voices and they sing out and it's not 
beautiful in a musical sense, but it's so beautiful in a spiritual sense. So, yes, <laughs> let's sing. <laughs> let's sing and not worry about what we sound like and not be embarrassed about. We're not embarrassed what the voice of our sound is when we speak. But speaking is singing, you know, I have inflection. Inflection and, and tone. Mm -hmm. It's just a little bit more spontaneous, I guess, than written down music. But we can sing. If we can speak, we can sing. And I think the Lord will bless us for it. Zonia, we read in your bio that you are a member of the hymn book committee. And we would just love to ask you a little more about that. What's meaningful about that experience or your favorite part of being on that committee? Thank you for that question. It's such an honor. I'm so humbled by that call. I think when we are called to serve in any position, we feel there are probably so many people that could do a better job. And I really honestly feel that about this call. And at the same time, I know that that's where the Lord needs me. And just in the last couple of years, having this opportunity to serve, I've learned so much about how little <laughs> any education or knowledge or conviction means if you don't trust that this is the Lord's work. Wow. Each member of the committee is so qualified. We have everybody that's a professional musician is a doctor of music. That's a terminal degree in any of our educations, and that qualifies us on one level. And we have a couple members there that aren't musicians at all. <laughs> Some of them don't even read music, but they know the Lord and they know the impact that music can have and they play an absolute vital role in our work. So I'm just so, so grateful and honored to be part of that and to learn about the members and how music has shaped their lives. The stories that we hear about hymns and how they have made a difference, how they've shaped their testimonies, how they've helped people come to Christ. And that's been really, really wonderful. It's certainly work. <laughs> it's very analytic. We look at a lot of music, and that's where our background, I guess, comes in. We look at a lot of music and discuss this music. And what's been so, so interesting is that we all do our homework, and we come back, and we either recommend him or we don't, or mm -hmm. we re recommend it to, for it to be retired if it's not sung or if it has some musical or doctrinal problems there. But we'll all do our homework and we come together and we discuss and there were hymns where we all said, no, this needs to go. Or if it's a new hymn, this probably isn't special enough. This won't do anything. And then we do take a minute, we talk about it and one member will say, but let's consider this group. How would they feel if they get to sing this hymn in church or at home? And then we'll sing it. And then the light turns on <laughs> and all of a sudden this hymn that we thought was mediocre at best becomes one of our favorites and becomes really, really powerful. And those are the tunes that stuck in our heads then. And that has happened over and over and over. It's been so interesting to pursue a path, go that way, and then we get guidance from the brethren that just open up another path and mm -hmm. we go that direction. And where we were just like, we need to recommend a collection of sacred hymns that is pleasing unto the Lord, just as <laughs> we know Emma had that same task. We really, really have no idea what he wants unless we trust that he's revealing it and he is. He is revealing it. And we put forth the effort to do those analysis and to talk to people and to do that work. But he's in charge and he's making it very clear what music is pleasing unto him and what we need. Wow. So then the task is what does Heavenly Father 
want us to do? What is the him that is pleasing unto him? And he's revealing that. And in some cases, we still need to wait. (laughs) But all in all, I'm so thrilled. I'm so excited for the church to see this collection of new music. I think that it's going to change us for the better. I think that people will be excited to sing. I hope that people will turn to their pianos and their guitars and their instruments and learn these new hymns. There's plenty of music that we already know that will carry over, of course. Mm -hmm. But there will be some new music, and I hope that people get excited about it and that they will use it and that they will sing it it to their children on their way to school when they're scared. (laughs) (laughs) And You know I will. (laughs) That'll be stuck in their heads and that... It will help them stay on the path, on the covenant path that leads back to him. Music can do that. There were so many things that I really appreciated, though, as you were describing. I love the idea of you actually singing the hymns, like trying them out as a group. What a unique um, thinking of working committees. I'm like, that's a pretty unique thing for a committee to do together to sing. And honestly, we haven't been able to meet for this year and a half, but we have met virtually. And... Every week, one will say, oh, I just wish we were in the same room and we could sing it. So what we'll do is we'll all mute and one person sits at the piano and we all sing silently. And that does the job, (laughs) I guess. So, Zonia, as we were talking before this interview, too, I learned something new about this process from you. You had said that besides the involvement of this committee that you're a part of, that there have been other volunteers sorting through the thousands of submissions that were received of new text and new music. So maybe you could describe some of that process. Thank you. This is a really exciting part for me to talk about, really, because we talk about the people that review the submissions, but sometimes you forget about the submitters. I think after Atman Review, we had just over 16,000 new hymns and children's songs. Wow. That's music and text, sometimes together, sometimes separated. That's a great offering by the membership <laughs> to just give that to the church. It reflects a lot of talent and a lot of devotion, I think. It's so generous. It's so, so generous. That's a lot of people that offer mm-hmm. their talents to the Lord. Talk about keeping your covenants, yeah? That's a great, great gift. So that's really exciting. Because the church is growing globally, the needs of the church are global as well, (laughs) and uh, the needs for music as well. And we know that people sing differently in Europe. They have different tastes than they have in the U.S. or in the Philippines where you serve, Carly. Mm -hmm. People just come from different cultural backgrounds, and they enjoy music in different ways and different styles speak to them. So among the 16,000 submissions are many, many international submissions as well. And we felt that it was really important that people from those places, those cultures or all their cultures review those (laughs) before they come to the Wasatch Front. Because it is a global church, it needs to be global music Mm -hmm. by its global citizens and its Mm -hmm. global members. So that's going to be the first round of review that a big panel of musicians will review those. And then those that they deem worthy or excellent will go through a next committee of maybe a little bit more specialized people. And that's how they make the rounds. And then Mm -hmm. eventually the Children's Songbook Committee and the Hymnbook Committee will see those and recommend the ones they deem pleasing to the Lord Mm -hmm. to the brethren to approve. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed by this task. I'm like, wow, this is a big work and it's going to be really exciting when we get to see the the final product. I bet you're pretty excited too. I am really, (laughs) I'm really excited, yeah. 
Really what an can. incredible opportunity to be part of. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I just thank think you so much. that's so neat. And it is exciting. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to ask you, if people are wanting to know more or kind of have some updates, is there somewhere we can send them? In May 2019, the church published an article called Committees and Strategic Goals Announced for Hymn Book and Children's Songbook Revisions. It has a lot of details on our work and especially our strategic goals. You can read about that. There are pictures of the members of the committees, and um, it it can give interested people a good idea of what the actual procedural (laughs) things are that lead to this collection eventually. Thank you. We'll Mm -hmm. make sure to link to that in our show notes. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sonia. Now, we want to back up a little bit earlier. You know, we wanted to hear kind of the why, your passion behind music. And now we would love to hear more about your personal experience, your experiences with music as a child, as as a teenager, how you built and developed the talent that you have that you're sharing with so many people. It's really nothing extraordinary. My family's musical. My mother knows every single song there is, I think. <laughs> she knows the words to all the hymns, and she knows all the folk songs, and she knows all the primary songs, and she'll sing them. Mm-hmm. And she sings them to my son, and I love that. <laughs> now, is she a singer? Probably not. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she loves to sing, and I grew up. We would sing in the car, and wherever we go, we would sing something. My sisters both are significantly older than me. They're 10 and 14 years older. I'm a little bit the caboose in our family. Mm -hmm. And they learned how to play the organ and the flute when they were in high school. So when I started school, first grade, it was just kind of normal that I would start playing the organ. And don't think of an organ like a pipe organ. No, no, no. It would be like basically a glorified keyboard with mm-hmm. <laughs> two manuals and like <laughs> okay. one octave of uh-huh. pedals and that's just what we had we didn't have a piano we had uh-huh. a little organ in our house so I learned how to play that and then of course I play the piano in church wherever I could and then a little bit later we had a flute around the house so I just took flute lessons not because I that was my dream to take flute <laughs> lessons. It's just because we had the instrument. What, what you had access yeah. to. And it turned out that my mouth, for some reason, and my fingers were made for that instrument. <laughs> and I just turned out to be somewhat of a good flautist at that age. And I practiced and I had great teachers. And going into school and high school, I would play in orchestras. And I just hung out with all the cool kids that played the instruments in the orchestras. <laughs> and it turned out that my all of my friends were string players. Mm-hmm. And then I really wanted to play the violin. And I would just take their violins and pretend like I would play it. And I did not do well. But I, I begged my parents, and they allowed me to take violin lessons. And I did. And time comes to graduate from high school, or I should say the equivalent of the German school to high school, and I had to kind of decide what I wanted to do. College and the university experience is a little bit different in Germany. You specialize right away. You don't do general studies. So Mm -hmm. basically, it's almost like you're going to grad school right away, except that you're not. It's like you major right away is maybe the better, better way of saying that. And I just didn't know. I was a good student, I guess, but I was really into music. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's what I did. All my friends would listen to Backstreet Boys and I would listen to Bach. <laughs> <laughs> it was really quite nerdy. And if I think about the group of friends, we had a special taste, I guess. Yes. But we loved it and um, it built us up and it made us happy, frankly. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what else to do. So I applied for music school. I got in, which is a miracle in itself, just because I had such good mentors that helped me. And I studied music. 
and I was very much into uh, instrumental music, playing the flute and violin in the orchestras at the university and studying orchestral conducting, studying that uh, music and practicing a lot, practicing piano a lot. And part of that education, I was doing music education, musicology, was also to sing and to take voice lessons and to develop that because the goal was to be a music teacher. And in Germany, you are not a choir teacher, an orchestra, a band teacher, you are all the things. Oh, wow. You teach it all. So you have to be pretty rounded and took voice lessons and um, choral conducting and really thoroughly enjoyed that. And I sang in choir at uh, high school as well, as well, and I really wanted to be in the elite choir ensemble because that's just what you do, right? You right. need to be part of that. And I did audition and uh, the conductor's like, you really are not very good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but I'm going to give you a chance. And man, am I grateful that he gave me a chance to sing in that ensemble because that's just when my love for choral music really blossomed. At the same time, I was very, very active in the YSA. As you know, the church is not very large in mm -hmm. Europe, so like-minded people travel a lot to get together. You yes. want to find your spouse, right? And your spouse is very likely not in your YSA ward because there is no YSA ward. So mm -hmm. <laughs> there are lots of conferences and dances and things like that. I had a friend who really loved choir. He was a, a choir singer where he lived, and he really wanted to improve the singing in the church. And he said, I don't know how to do this. I know how to conduct, but I know people, but you know how to conduct. Mm -hmm. Let's so get together. Let's get together and do this. So for one weekend, we just gathered all our friends we thought liked to sing or sung somewhat well and just sang together and make good music, you know, just a little bit more than you would maybe do at your weekly word choir rehearsal because we polished stuff and we sang some classical music. Long story short, this little group ended up to be sponsored by the church. It grew. We held auditions. We had singers from all over Germany, Switzerland, Austria. We had a singer from wow. Denmark. That's amazing. This is incredible. <laughs> this was all during our YSA time, really. And once a month, we'd come together at the temple in Frankfurt. They have patron housing there. We would all stay there. Mm -hmm. And for a weekend, we'd rehearse. And then Sunday, we'd go to church and rehearse after, have a testimony meeting and go home. And then a couple times, we would do that the first six months of the year. And then the next six months, we would travel throughout Europe, really, because the church sponsored that. And they wanted us. They wanted mm -hmm. us in places where there wasn't good music or where missionary work was just a little bit hard. And they just wanted a bright, sparkling group of YSA. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, so I did that, and I thought I knew what I was doing. You know, I was going to school, I was getting a degree. And now I look back, and I really did not know anything. I just loved it, and I, I loved getting together with my friends, and I loved singing, and I loved the music, and I loved the people we got to sing for. I'm so, so, so grateful for that opportunity that really, truly shaped me. And that made me into a choral person. Mm -hmm. So while I was an instrumentalist before, not much of a singer at all. I was, and I was a choir person. And this same group, it's called Kamakor Vocalis. They don't actually sing anymore. But we got invited to perform on Temple Square in 2009. And we did that. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a cleaning at the University of Utah with their ensemble and then Later, I took a master class with that same director, and he invited me to come study with him. Which was kind of a big change for That's, you. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but it just worked out with my graduating from the university and everything. It just The timing was just godly. <laughs> I could not have timed it better. 
So I came to study at the University of Utah. The professor I came to study with resigned, and a new professor came, and I loved my experience. I loved it so very much. I pursued a master's degree, and then I felt like all my friends were here. I had a great life. I felt like there was so much more to learn. I adored my professor, who really was a friend and mentor, and applied for a doctoral program and did that. During that time, I auditioned for the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, which was the Mormon Tabernacle Choir at that time. (laughs) (laughs) And that just built my network of people that are like-minded, that Mm -hmm. not only love to sing, but that just are in that scene of choral music. Because really, honestly, we think it's the best. There's nothing better than choral music. (laughs) I promise you, if you get into it, you'll feel the same. (laughs) (laughs) So when I graduated with that degree, so I was on a student visa, of course, had the opportunity to Mm -hmm. work for a year. And I worked for a year. And during that time, started dating my husband. And here I am. But yes, up till now, and I hope forever, music has played not only a big role, it was my life. Kind of central. Yeah, Mm -hmm. very central. That's amazing. That is. Thank you. Well, this being the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, we'd love to know more about your current work now as the director of BYU Women's Chorus. We would just love for you to share with us some of your responsibilities and also just ask you what are the best parts of working with women, especially such a unique group of talented women. Oh, man, and are they unique and talented. Working with BYU Women's Course is incredible. I know I get emotional about this. <laughs> when I was a YSA, the music that came from the church, arrangement of our hymns or music that spoke to me because it was worshipful and I identified with it as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, came from the Tabernacle Choir and from the BYU choirs. And the difference between those two were that the BYU students were my age. They were in the same place as I was, and they got to sing that kind of music with each other. So I would get my hands on all of their music, all of their albums, and I would listen to it, all of those choirs. In fact, one year I just went and visited a couple friends here, came all the way from Germany just to sit in their rehearsals for a week. And I did do that. Turns out at that exact same time, my husband was in BOU men's chorus. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> okay. That's a fun Share connection. This love for yeah. the music. Uh, of course. And, and I remember sitting there, it's like, oh, so many returned missionaries, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> so having this opportunity to work with on all these ensembles is absolutely incredible. And I feel so, 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 so very blessed to do that. I think there's no place on campus. <laughs> with brighter and better and more wonderful and more faithful and awesome students than the ones that are in BYU Women's Chorus. They're the best. So uh, my responsibilities in that job are to select repertoire, to select the singers through a very rigorous um, audition process, and then, of course, rehearsal and conduct the performances. We do a couple concerts throughout the year. We sing in BYU devotional. Sometimes we'll have the opportunity to sing for general conference. So I get to do that, mm-hmm. select the music, select the people, and then, you know, rehearse and, and then sing. <laughs> so neat. And then on top of that, I get to mentor the choir presidency with 180 students there is some student responsibility. So we have a, a choir board and a presidency. I mentor them. And then I also mentor our graduate students that assist with the auditioned ensembles. Those really are my responsibilities. I've got between 160 and 180 students. Most of them are not music majors. 
Oh, wow. Many of them are, mm-hmm. but not all of them, certainly. Not Is it more of just mm-hmm. a hobby or a it's, passion? Or mm-hmm. It's certainly meat. not a requirement, but they come in the afternoon and they've had most of their academic classes and they come to work. They come because they enjoy it and they want to have fun, of course, but they come to work and they come because they know it feeds them. And that's why it's powerful and that's why it's changing them. I love the woman of BYU Women's Chorus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I just, just want to go listen to their music. We just published a video, a YouTube video okay. that you could link in your show notes. Yeah, we'll I, make sure to include those links. As I just could add, though, that while I'm grateful I have that job and I realize I'm a director of that group, it's not me. It's them. It's the students I put in the work and I get to be along on the ride. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I think this whole episode is helping me feel more excited about incorporating music in my own life, in my worship, in my family. So I, we hope that that's what listeners are feeling too. And maybe kind of as we wrap up, we could have you give some recommendations. We've talked about some different ideas, ways that individuals and families can incorporate music. We'd love to hear more of your ideas and why that's important. Thank you for asking that. I think it is important, and I hope it can be important to those that don't currently think it is important to and them. I would say, especially for people who it's like, well, I'm not musical. Like, yeah. right. you but know, who, but who doesn't like music? Everybody likes music. Everybody likes some mm-hmm. sort, some style of music for one reason or another. They listen to music while they work out, or they listen to music while they clean their house, or they listen to music to dance, but they probably maybe also listen to music when they feel lonely or when they oh, need comfort. Mm-hmm. Music has that power. So I really do believe that music plays a role in everybody's life to one degree or another. And honestly, while there are makers of music and listeners of music, If there weren't any listeners of music, there was no need for makers of music. (laughs) You know, one informs the other. But I would encourage women listening to this to allow themselves to be makers of music and not worry about the outcome when it comes to its quality or its beauty, but to allow themselves to sing. Nobody has to play an instrument if they don't want to or don't have access to one. Everybody can sing. Everybody can sing praises to God. It can be as simple as a hallelujah or an amen or whatever. It could be you open your hymn book to a hymn that has really meaning and you quietly sing that tune. Even if it's on one tone, it does not matter. But if we sing, the words become more powerful. <laughs> They're prolongated. They are emphasized in a better way. Mm-hmm. And with the way that music flows, it gives them more meaning. We remember them better. So I guess that would be my advice is to allow yourself to sing. Make it part of your study. As we study the Word of God, the hymn book, and the children's song, that, that's part of it. And the forward introduction to the hymn book, it says, we hope that your hymn book, you can use it alongside your scripture. That's scripture too. And as we use the hymns, we can use them in our scripture study. We can use them in our study generally just to get to know the Savior better. And then I hope that we can find hymns that speak to us in particular. And when we feel sad or discouraged, we come back to those. Mm -hmm. And we can sing, I I stand all amazed at the love Jesus offers me. Or we can sing, I know he lives, I will follow him faithfully. Where can I turn for peace? But we can also sing praise to the Lord, the God, the Almighty, things like that. That can be empowering. It sticks with us. We don't have to have any special equipment to it. And we can do it wherever we are. But when we drive places, we can put on a playlist with worshipful music. 
you know, after they finish their podcast of the latter day said woman podcast, they can maybe listen to some music that's worshipful on their ways. Sometimes I feel like we get overstimulated by news and by people talking and by social media and by everybody's opinions and everybody's photos and everybody has something to say. And that's the time for it. And that's good, too. But maybe with all the noise, we don't always hear the Spirit. We don't always hear what the Lord has to teach to us. So if we blend out all of that noise, we can maybe allow for music to teach us what's true and what we need to hear in that moment. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Zonia, thank you so much for sharing not only your expertise, but your passion Mm -hmm. and your love for music. And you've testified so powerfully of the power and influence that it has had in your life. So thank you so much for reminding us of the power that it can bring to our lives too. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. We hope you feel inspired to incorporate more music into your lives and into your worship. As a reminder, we have new episodes released every week, and we hope you'll continue to tune in and share episodes with your family and your friends. We've been so grateful to hear from so many listeners via email and on Apple Podcast Reviews, and we just hope you'll continue to share your thoughts and feedback. We love hearing from you. You can contact us at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org with any suggestions for topics or guests. We also want to make sure our listeners are aware that the podcast is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. So in addition to being on the church's website, it's also available on the Gospel Library app, Saints Channel mobile app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, just about anywhere. So tune in, subscribe, and please, as Shaylin has encouraged, continue to share these voices and stories of women of faith with your friends and family. Finally, we'd like to thank our wonderful editor, Kurt Dahl, our great producer, Matthew Mangum, and the many others who support this podcast. And until next week, I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Beck. Thanks for listening. Thank you.